places of healing in the ministry of Jesus. And we're going to be continuing that tonight. We've been working our way through each of the individual cases where Jesus healed people. And so far, I've learned some very powerful truths. And I hope you've been enjoying what we've uh, what we've done so far. They're all available on the website and uh, also on the Facebook page and on the YouTube uh, channel. So we're going to be looking at some more things tonight uh, from the from the healing ministry of Jesus. Now, so far, we've looked at uh, about 11 cases of healing, and we've looked at the cases where the sick person came to Jesus. We've looked at those who those who approached Jesus for healing, and we've seen that some very important principles are involved in approaching God. And we're going to be looking today at the next group of cases of healing. We're going to be looking at the people that Jesus approached them. Jesus went to them. Um, now, you'll find this is a smaller group. As I said, there's about 11 where they came to Jesus. Uh, the group of the ones that Jesus went to them, there's six. Uh, there's also a third category where there's kind of intercession by a group of people, and there's only three of those. Um, and I think those numbers are also important as well because they show us really where God's emphasis is and which is the biggest group uh, of people who receive. But we're going to spend some time studying the cases of those who that Jesus went to. Uh, but before we specifically do that, this today I want to lay, lay a foundation. I want to look at some other things from the Word of God, from the Gospels, that will help you to understand the cases uh, where Jesus went to the sick person, help you to understand those a little bit better. So if you want to, if you want to open your Bibles to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, we're going to look at the anointing upon Jesus. We're going to also look at some things that we don't tend to talk about as much uh, that Jesus said after this familiar passage uh, related to being sent. And uh, the, 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 you're going to begin to understand that just because a healing a minister is anointed with healing power doesn't mean that that, is, that, mini, that minister is anointed to heal everyone. Uh, sometimes people think that just because somebody has a healing anointing or just because the power of God is upon their life, uh, they're a healing evangelist or whatever you want to call it, people seem to think that they can heal anyone at any time. Uh, and that's not, simply not true. You're going to see from the word of God that actually those healing anointings do not work for everybody. They are connected to who the spirit of God leads that person to. And very often, even, even healing ministers get confused because they, they know they've got a healing gift on their life. They know the power of God is upon their life to heal. And then they get confused when not everybody gets healed through their ministries. And they also end up with large crowds of people who didn't heal. Now, we hear about the testimonies of the people who got healed, but we don't always hear about the ones who didn't. And many people go to meetings uh, of so, even some well-known big healing minister, um, and, and they go and they go sick and they leave sick as well. And sometimes it causes confusion because people don't understand the word of God. Um, and what you need to understand, what we're going to see is there's two, two streams or two roots by which God heals people. And a lot of times people want to take the easier route. We want to take the one, the simpler one. Um, whereas actually the one we've been studying up until now is the primary one. It's the one God wants everybody to learn to receive by. Uh, healing 
being healed or receiving healing through a, a minister, through an anointing upon someone else's life or what we could call the gifts of healings, the working of miracles, one of the gifts of the spirit, something that God initiates is not the, the primary way that God heals. As a church, we've become dependent upon that as the number one way to get healed. Everybody looks to that. People, When people think about needing healing, most people tend to think about, well, when's the next healing minister in town? Or who can I get to pray for me? Who can I call up? Who's got a healing anointing? Maybe my pastor. And, and we, we have trained the church to become dependent upon the ministry, upon ministers. And upon the gifts upon ministry's lives. Now, thank God for that. That is a way that God heals. But I want you to begin to understand it's not the primary way. Even in the ministry of Jesus, almost, almost half of people, the cases we have were people who were healed by that means. Uh, Eleven people were, re were received by them approaching Jesus and their faith was involved. Only six people received healing specifically. I'm talking about cases of people being raised from the dead or de deliverance from demons and specifically talking healing here, only 11 cases, sorry, 11 approached Jesus, only six cases uh, did Jesus go to them. And sometimes it seems like more when you just read these because we don't make this distinction, but we're going to be studying these and we're going to learn some powerful principles, but we're also going to help answer some questions as to why not everybody gets healed through a healing anointing and uh, why so many people have hands laid upon them and don't receive healing. And they're looking to the minister. See, I believe that uh, we should be training people to be more dependent upon God, not more dependent upon the ministry. We should be training people. It's the same thing with receiving words from God. You see, people want to get direction from the Holy Spirit and, and hear from God. And the first thing so many people think about is who can give me a word? I need somebody to prophesy over me. I need someone to give me a word. Oh, you see, that's not the number one way God, God, God leads us. Uh, each individual believer is supposed to be led by the Holy Spirit for themselves. Words from God are a secondary. They shouldn't be the primary way that we hear from God. And many people don't want to hear that. And it's because we want what we perceive to be the easy route. It's far easier to, for somebody else to prophesy over me than for me to hear God for myself. Same thing with healing. A lot of the times people think it's far easier for me to do nothing and me just expect a healing minister to do it all for me and his gift to just carry me through to healing. Uh, that's so much easier than me having to learn how to get in the word of God for myself and develop my faith and learn how to receive from God. But actually, God wants us to learn how to be dependent upon him. And that's why we've talked about that side first. And we're going to still learn some powerful things. You're going to see that these cases of the ones that Jesus approached them emphasize different things. They don't place as much emphasis upon the sick person. Uh, the cases we've looked at so far emphasize the sick person a lot. The, the cases where Jesus went to them, you'll see that they actually place a lot more uh, emphasis on Jesus, upon God, his attitude towards sickness, his attitude toward the sick person. Uh, and also there's a lot of comparison in there about the religious attitudes uh, uh, towards sickness and the issues that Jesus had to deal with. Interestingly, um, all but one of these cases where Jesus went to the sick person took place on the Sabbath. Now, of the cases we've healed so far, I don't think any of them took place on the Sabbath. But the ones that Jesus went to, all of them took place on the Sabbath. And we'll discuss that as well. I believe there's a reason for that. But you're going to find out that we're going to start seeing the religious attitudes towards sickness and toward the sick. 
Um, and, you know, sometimes we just think religious attitudes are, are in the Pharisees and the Sadducees in the Bible. Sad to say they're as prevalent today as they ever used to be. Um, I read a quote, someone put this on Facebook actually today, and I just thought very interesting. And, and I can't get the exact quote, but it was something about that the devil's number one enemy, uh, the, the devil's number one tool was the Pharisee, not the prostitute. And I thought, wow, very interesting, quite, quite something to think about, that actually we tend to think, oh, the sinner uh, was the biggest problem, when actually the biggest problem Jesus encountered was through the religious people and through religious mindsets. And sometimes religious mindsets get into us. Uh, you know, I was raised uh, in, in very good, solid word-based teaching, and yet I even found that that I somehow religious attitudes crept in. And, and, and things that religious attitudes create doubt and unbelief. And, and there were times in my life I've had to deal with some doubt and I've been facing some big situations. And I think to myself, where's this doubt come from? Because I know better. I know the word better. And yet it's still clinging in my mind. And, and, and I've had to work that out and realize where it came from. Some, it came through things that people had said, religious influences that try to convince me that God doesn't want to heal everybody or God doesn't do this or God doesn't do that. And it's amazing when you try to preach the word on healing that you find the amount of people who oppose it uh, under the name of Christianity. Now, so far in the 11 cases of healing that we've studied, you will notice that Jesus was not once was Jesus the obstacle to a person's healing. Not once. And you're going to see the same thing in the next few cases we're going to look at. Jesus was never the obstacle. He was never the one withholding or, or, or hindering healing in a person's life. And yet somehow uh, people study the Gospels and come to the conclusion that God's the hindrance. I don't know how they do it. Well, I do. It's religious interpretation of the Bible, but we want to see the truth. Now, let's go, let's go to Luke chapter 4 today. And we're going to look at this passage a little bit because it's going to lay the groundwork to understand the two different ways, the two different routes or streams of healing. Um, I want you to understand that Jesus ministered to, to people in two different ways. There were two kind of methods, that primary methods that he relied on to minister to people. The first one was the word. Jesus was a teacher. He taught people the word. And we know, well, he is the word. He was the word. And we know that faith comes by hearing the word. Many times it said when, G when people heard about Jesus, they came. And Jesus, he did more teaching than anything else. The teaching uh, ministry of Jesus is a major part of his ministry. And Jesus ministered to people by giving them the word. And, and then people would have to respond to, believe, and trust the word of God, put their faith in the word. The second way Jesus ministered to people was by the spirit or by the anointing. Um, and really, these two streams work together. Uh, sometimes people think it's either the word or the spirit, but it's uh, that's not that's not God's best. The two should flow together, and the spirit works with the word of God. But we're going to see that that um, sometimes some people who, who receive healing, like we said, they're received by faith. Well, faith comes by hearing the word. As people receive, hear and build their faith in the word of God or build their understanding of the word of God, their faith grows. But also Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. He flowed with the Holy Spirit. And, and as he did, the anointing would operate through him, even to some people who had no faith. Some of the people who received from Jesus, there was no faith evident whatsoever. But these were the ones he went to. We've studied all the cases so far, the ones who came to Jesus, and you see faith was involved in every one of them. 
But there were times that the Spirit of God would, would prompt Jesus and lead him to a certain individual to minister to them. And we want to understand that. We want to look at those cases now and see how that worked. But the one thing you're going to see is that this is not God's primary way. Many people want to rely on this way, but it's not the primary way. It's not the method God wants us to learn to rely on. It's it's the backup method, you might say. Now, some people probably get quite offended at me calling it that. But really, it's, it's the backup method. Uh, it's an extra means God has made available because God loves people. He's merciful. He wants to heal. He's made a way available whereby healing can be received a little bit easier uh, to help people along the way. But uh, what God wants is he wants us to learn to live by faith and to receive by faith. And the Bible doesn't say we live by miracles and the anointing upon other people's lives. It says we live by faith. And this is the way God is training us to operate. But while people are learning, while they're growing, God has made available another method, another route to healing. And this is through the, the, the healing anointings upon other people's lives, the spirit of God leading them and sending them sp to specific people. And this is where the confusion comes in, because, um, you know, it's a very sad thing. But some people and I mentioned this at the start of the broadcast today, some people go to uh, meetings of healing evangelists, healing ministers, and they get prayed for and they don't receive anything. We hear about the people who did receive. We don't always hear about the ones who didn't. And there are a lot of people that leave those meetings disappointed because they, they were looking to that to be the way to heal them. And what they don't understand is that healing is not available to everybody. Listen carefully to me. Healing is not available to everyone through that method. It's not for everybody through that method. Now, I have a diagram. I'm going to post this diagram on the Facebook page after the class. I forgot to post it beforehand. But basically, I'll try and illustrate this with my hands. If you think about a top level, top tier healing right at the top here. Now, underneath healing, there are two categories, two ways by which people get healed. Healed by faith and healed by the, the, the anointing or the spirit of God. These are two separate streams of healing. Now, healing itself is at the top. These are the two methods, the primary methods by which healing comes. Now, what happens is, you see, this, this stream here is the stream by which uh, God, God sends a minister. Or the, the, the healing occurs through someone else coming to you. And most people want to rely on this method. Now, what happens is when somebody does not get healed by this method, they conclude, they go up a level. They conclude that God doesn't want to heal everybody. See, just because they didn't receive by the one method, they, they come to the conclusion healing's not for everybody. And there's even been people, who, and, and sadly, they've become quite vocal in the church and written books and their Christian bookstores filled with some of their books. How they, and you, really, if you go back and you look at what happened, why they're preaching against healing, it goes back to the fact that some of them went to a healing minister's meeting and they didn't get healed. So now they've left that meeting and they've come to the conclusion God doesn't heal everybody, not based upon the word, but based upon their experience. And they say that because I didn't get healed by this method, healing is not for everybody. And that's that's inaccurate. You see, you've got to realize this method is not for everybody. I'm going to prove that to you scripturally. I'm going to show you not every not everybody has received. It's, it's not designed for everybody. However, this method, the other method, receiving by faith is for everybody. Healing, the top tier, is for everybody. This method of receiving healing is not for everybody, but this method, faith, is for everybody. 
And just because you don't receive by, by a minister and their healing anointing, now people can receive by a minister and a healing anointing. We're going to see that as we study this. But just because you don't doesn't mean you can conclude healing is not for everybody. What you need to understand is that method of healing is not for everybody. There is another method available, and it is the method that everybody can receive by. Last week, we're going to refer to the, the, the passage a couple of times that we studied last week, the, the Syrophoenician woman in Matthew 15. She came to Jesus and, you know, Jesus even said to her, I'm not sent to you. Now, we're going to look at this issue of sending. She said, I'm not sent to you. And even though Jesus, the, the word of God, the, the, the man anointed by the spirit of God with the healing anointing was not sent to her by the end of the passage she received. And Jesus credited it to her faith. What we saw was that even when, when a minister is not sent to you, you can still receive by faith. Faith is the root that's available to everybody. And this is the root God wants us to grow in. But this route of receiving healing through somebody else, them coming to you, them praying for you, their gift operating in your life, that is not for everybody. It's, it's God's backup route. Now, let's see this in the Word of God. I'm going to help you see this. If you go to Luke chapter 4, I will start with the bit in Luke chapter 4 that's familiar with a lot of people. Uh, and then we'll keep going in the passage. Now, in, in Luke chapter 3, actually, Jesus had just uh, been baptized in the River Jordan by John the Baptist. And when he did, the Holy Spirit came upon him. And so we understand this is the place that Jesus, the anointing came upon Jesus. Acts 10.38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. And so we see that that anointing upon Jesus, one of the things it did was heal people. But that anointing came upon Jesus in Luke chapter 3, right after he was baptized in the River Jordan. The Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove. And, uh, and, and, and shortly after that, in Luke chapter 4, it talks about how Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. From this point forward, Jesus was anointed and, and one of the parts of that anointing was the healing anointing. So in a sense, we could say he was anointed as a healing minister. And, 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 and he gets up in Luke chapter 4 and he quotes Isaiah and he talks about that anointing upon his life. So let's look at that first and then we'll work further down in the passage to, um, to, 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 to something a little bit further on. Luke chapter 4 and verse 14, this is the one I just quoted, says this. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit and news of him went uh, out through all the surrounding region. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. Uh, so he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And then he began to read a passage a lot of people are quite familiar with that, he, that Jesus quoted. And this is what he said. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. So he began to talk about this anointing, the spirit of the Lord that had come upon him. And prior to his water baptism, the spirit of the Lord had not come upon him yet. He was now anointed. In fact, right after he got water baptized and, and the Holy Spirit came upon him, the Bible says he began his ministry. So this is where he entered into the ministry and the anointing for ministry came upon him. And now he talks about this. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. 
and any because now because means this is the reason this is the reason the spirit of the lord is upon me the spirit of the lord is upon me because he has anointed me and he lists off a number of things anointed me too okay in other words this is the purpose of that anointing he has anointed me one to preach the gospel to the poor now notice the words in the next phrase he has sent me he has sent me we're going, to, we're going to come back to this sending in a moment. Remember, Jesus said to the Syrophoenician woman, I was not sent to you. A lot of times people haven't, haven't quite made the distinction of the importance of this word and what this has got to do with. And Jesus himself explains it a little bit further on. Um, uh, he has sent me and then he lists off what he has been sent to do. He's anointed and he's sent. He said he has sent me first to heal the brokenhearted. Next, to proclaim liberty to the captives. Now that thought he has sent me follows through the next three few verses. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. And put that in again, he has sent me to, uh, to proclaim or bring recovery of sight to the blind. And the next thing he says, and that he has sent me follows through to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Now, that would include healing because Acts 10.38 talks about the people who were healed were oppressed by the devil. So setting people at liberty who, was, who were oppressed, according to Acts, 30, Acts chapter 10, verse 38, includes healing. And Jesus talks about the fact that the Holy Spirit has sent him to do these things. Uh, he's anointed by the Spirit of God. He's now a healing minister, and this anointing is operating through his life. Now, again, let me just recap some things I said right at the start for people who missed it. A lot of people think that just because a person has a healing anointing, that that anointing can work for anybody at any time, almost like they can switch it on and off anytime they want. And this is this is a misconception. It's not true. You can't just, uh, you know, you can't just switch anointings on and off as they want. Anointings upon a person's life operate by the spirit of God as he wills. You you can step in and out of that. It's like a teaching anointing upon my life. I, I'm going to be really honest with you. I'm, I love the teaching anointing. I love teaching the word, but I'm glad it's not upon me all the time, because if it was, I'd never stop teaching. I'd be teaching in my sleep. I'd be teaching day and night. It just wouldn't stop. Okay, that anointing, it's upon my life, but it, it kind of comes into manifestation at times, like when I'm teaching and when I'm ministering the word of God. But when I'm not ministering the word of God, that anointing is not there. Now, it's potentially there, but it operates and it comes upon you. Same thing with, 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 with a healing anointing. It's not permanently on on a person's life to the point that they can just touch any sick person and just that healing anointing just sets anybody, they free, anybody free anytime they want on uh, permanently on see it's not within your control that healing anointing the healing anointing upon somebody's life operates by the principle of sending it operates to the people that god has sent that minister to to heal uh, and uh, you're going to see this in the word of god in a minute and that's what jesus said to the syrophoenician woman i wasn't sent to you in other words i can't just turn this anointing on and do what you want just because you feel like well, you want me to do it uh, there's got to be a sending for that anointing to operate. And Jesus said, I wasn't sent to you. He wasn't trying to be mean to her and say, oh, no, I'm not going to do it for you. He was being honest. I can't just do this for you and manifest that anointing just because you want it. And many people are expecting, they just want the anointing to operate for them. And they want to go to the healing minister and the healing minister do it all for them. 
but it doesn't work like that. And, 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 and because a lot of people don't receive that way, they get disappointed. Now, again, the Syrophoenician woman, even though that anointing was not specifically sent to her, she was still able to receive because she received by the other method, faith. And that is available to everybody. Okay, everything in the church must operate by biblical principles. And this includes the ministry and it includes the anointings, excuse me, the anointings upon ministers life, including the healing anointing. Uh, you can't just assume that it's going to work for you. This this operates. It's it is selective, and to, to some degree, you're going to find out it, it's actually very highly selective who it, who it operates through. Therefore, everybody else is supposed to receive by the other method. So a minister can't just, just because a person is, has a healing anointing upon them doesn't mean they can just switch it on and off for everybody. And it doesn't mean that, that, that they can just make it work for whoever they want it to, it, to work, it to work for. It operates by God sending that person. Now, let's continue because you'll see this continues. Luke 4 doesn't end there. And Jesus says some things that have confused some people and left a little bit of confusion and mystery. We're going to clear that up today and it's going to help hopefully make this a lot clearer. Okay, um, Luke chapter four, verse twenty-five. Now this is after he's he's read that passage. He's now sat down. We didn't finish the passage. He sat down. He said, "The scripture is fulfilled in your hearing." In verse twenty-one, and then they all begin to say, "Is this Joseph's son? They, 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 this is the guy. This is the kid who played amongst us, and he's now telling us he's anointed by God." And, and we, we begin to realize they're not that receptive to him. And Jesus goes on, and he's not finished speaking yet. He sat down, but he continues talking. Uh, you see, sometimes these days, we're so used to the minister standing up. That's how they operated in these in those days. They'd read the scripture, they'd sit, and then they'd share it and discuss it a lot of the time. Okay? But Luke chapter 4, verse 25, Jesus continues. He's not finished yet. It says this. Uh, sorry, verse 23, not 25. He said to them, you will surely say this proverb to me, physician, heal thyself, heal yourself. Now, that was a well-known proverb in that day, and I'll come back to that in a minute. Uh, but he continues, whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. Right now, that that proverb, physician, heal yourself. It's it's it has it's it has a well-known meaning. However, Jesus is not quite using it the way the well-known meaning. Uh, you have to look at the context of how he's using it, and actually the next phrase that he says because it helps us understand how he's using that phrase, physician, heal thyself. He says this. He says, uh, physician, heal thyself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. In other words, he's saying, you're going to say this to me. Uh, in other words, he's just stood up and said he's anointed by the Holy Spirit, and, and he does nothing. He said, the Holy Spirit is upon me, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to heal the brokenhearted, open the eyes of the blind, proclaim liberty to the captives, and he sits down. Notice the fact that he didn't heal anybody. He didn't set any captives free at that time. Now, he did later, but right after reading this, he didn't. He didn't prove that that scripture was true and that it was fulfilled upon his life. He read it. He said, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing, and he sat down and then just began to talk to them. Now, um, and then, but then what he says is this. He says, you're probably going to say to me, prove it. You say you're a healer? You've, we've heard the healing you've done. Now prove it. Show us you're a healer by doing some healings. Okay? And this is what, he's, this is what, this, what he means by this. Um, in fact, one translation, the <coughs> – not the NIV. 
Um, one of the other translations, I've just lost it in my notes a little bit further down, basically says that that's what he meant by that phrase, physician, heal thyself. Okay. A lot of basically they're saying it's the new living. It says this. Then he said, you will undoubtedly quote me this proverb, physician, heal yourself, meaning do miracles here in your hometown like those you did in Capernaum. In other words, what he's saying here is he, 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 these people, he's saying your attitude is going to be, if you're anointed, then switch it on and do healing and do miracles. Let's see it. Prove it. Let's see you switch that anointing on and just do them. And Jesus goes on to explain to them, I'm anointed, but I can't just do it on demand just because you want it. This is what he's explaining here. He's saying you, you would surely going to say to me, do miracles here. In other words, prove it. Turn that, turn that anointing on and do things. And what Jesus says in, in the next thing is he's trying to explain to them that is not how this works. Okay. The healing anointing operates, any anointing operates by two factors, either by the spirit of God, his will and his leading to specific people, or it operates by people putting faith in that anointing and receiving with their faith. Jesus said that those people certainly were not receiving Jesus. They were not in faith. And there was no specific manifestation of the Holy Spirit at that time. That's why neither method was functioning because the people were not in faith and the Spirit was not specifically leading Jesus to do anything. So they didn't get the miracles. Jesus said, you can't just say to me, do miracles on demand. This is what a lot of people think. They think that just because someone has a healing anointing, they should do miracles on demand. You should be able to just go to them anytime and just get a miracle anytime you feel like it. Now, thank God, God does do miracles through people anointed by the Spirit of God. But it's not this there to just turn on anytime we feel like it. Okay? it's We need to understand how these operate. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. Everything he did, when he went to a person and ministered to them, it's because the Holy Spirit led him to that person. Uh, and, and when he was led to that person and he, he went because the Spirit of God led him, there, then the anointing operated through him. Now, we're not finished yet. Keep going through this passage because Jesus explains this and he's going to give two examples from the Old Testament. And we're going to look at those. Uh, Luke 4. So we've just seen he, he read. He said to them, you're going to say to me, do here and do here what we've heard you do. You're anointed. Come on, do it. Turn it on anytime you want. And Jesus says it doesn't work that way. It doesn't just turn on just because you want it and because I want it. Luke 4 verse 25. Then he says this, but I tell you truly. Many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a great famine throughout all the land. Now, there were many widows. He refers to Elijah and the widow. We're going to look at that in just a moment. And he, now he's talking in context of the anointing operating through him, and he's, he's going to give some examples as to why he can't just turn this on anytime he wants. Many, many uh, widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months and there was a great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them, notice this phrase, to none of them was Elijah sent. There were lots of widows. How many of you know they all had needs? They, they were lots of people who needed the minister who needed Elijah at that time. There was famine. You know, Elijah, he's the one who proclaimed the famine and the drought. Okay. Famine because of the drought. There was no rain. Many of them needed God to move, but Elijah was only sent to one woman. Okay. 
Now, does that mean the other widows couldn't have received from God? No. If they had turned to the Lord and put their trust in him, God would have provided for them too. But this is specifically the minister being sent to one of them. And Jesus is highlighting this example in context of the anointing operating through his life and their demand to just turn it on at will. He says this, there were many widows in Israel, but Elijah was not, was, 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 uh, but to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. So the first example he gives is, is the widow woman. Now, and then he gives a second example. Now, you're going to see these examples sound similar, but they're not. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman, the Syrian. So he's talked about the, the, the widow woman through Elijah. Now he talks about Naaman through Elisha. And so all of those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. It's amazing that they, uh, when he first said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and sat down, that's not quite when they got filled with wrath. When they got, fi they got filled with wrath, when he said, I ain't going to prove it to you because I can't turn this on and off. And, and, and he gave them scriptural reasons as to why. Then they got upset with him and they got, and they got angry with him. Okay. Now, this passage can sound confusing if you don't understand some things, because Jesus highlights two examples, two people in the Old Testament who uh, were both examples. He says there were many lepers. There were many widow women. Lots of people needed God to move. But in both instances, only one received. Only one got God to move. Now, that when we look at it like that, both of these examples seem the same. They both seem to be showing one individual who God moved. And now some people might say, oh, you see, that proves it wasn't God's will to, to minister to the others. No, it doesn't prove anything. Don't put things into the Bible that are not there. It doesn't say God would not have ministered to the others. It just said only one received in each, in each instance. But you're going to see there's something different about these two. Okay, let's look first at the widow woman uh, that, that, that he refers to um, in uh, it's in one Kings chapter 17. He talks about what many widows were in Israel, but to none of them was Elijah sent. Okay, uh, notice the word sent. So who, did this widow go to Elijah? Did she initiate the miracle? Did she come to the prophet and say, God, help me. I'm in need. And there's a drought, there's a famine, and please help me. No, she didn't. Let's look. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. Sorry, verse 8. Now, verse 1 is when he proclaims the drought. Now, verse 8, 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 8, um, says this. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying to, to, Eli, to Elijah, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Now, who's initiating this? Where's this coming from? Did Elijah, see, Elijah had been sitting by the brook. God had been sending him ravens for meat to provide for him. And then the, the brook dried up. It's not God's provision that stopped the raven. It doesn't say anything about the raven stopped coming, but he was by a, a brook and he proclaimed drought so that the water stopped. It's kind of his fault. Okay. God's provision stopped, but the natural provision of the brook dried up. And while he's there, it, the spirit of God led him where to go. The spirit of God specifically directed Elijah 
to go to the widow woman. In other words, this instruction came from God. Elijah didn't just sit there thinking, hmm, I know a widow woman. I'll go to her and I'll just give her a word from the Lord. God will provide for you if you do this for me. This didn't, you see, this is this is the problem. A lot of a lot of ministers just think that it's up to them to come up with the word from the Lord and say things like they say it out of their own head. This came from God. It was initiated specifically by God. And this is the example Jesus used <coughs> in Luke chapter four. Okay. Uh, and notice it, it says verse eight, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. God directed Elijah who to go to, go to that widow woman. And, and, and Jesus says that, that Elijah was sent to that woman. He didn't go himself. He didn't just think, I'm just going to pitch up at the first widow woman's house that I found and, and, and I'll just do a miracle in her house and we'll have great provision. No, see, this, this is when there are anointings upon a person's life. It's, it operates by the sending of the Holy Spirit. And ministers have got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and go where, go where the Spirit of God leads them and pray for who the Spirit of God leads them to pray for. And when they do, then that anointing operates because it is operating in, in, in cooperation with the sending of God. And, 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 and just like there were lots of widow women that could have or needed a miracle, Elijah wasn't sent to all of them. Now, like I said to you, that doesn't mean God wouldn't have taken care of the other widow woman. But for the other widow woman to be taken care of, they would have had to have approached God themselves, turned to the Lord and trusted him for his provision. But in this instance, it's different. God sent Elijah to the widow woman and then the miracle happened. We won't look at the rest of it, but it was then the miracle was activated because Elijah was led by the spirit to where he went and that miracle activated and they had the provision. Now, remember, this is the example Jesus used when talking about the anointing upon his life. He's basically saying this. He says, I cannot just turn this anointing on for who I want to turn it on for. It operates by the people that I am sent to. Now, we're going to be looking at the cases where Jesus healed people, but that's why I'm doing this foundational message first for this next section, is that each of these people Jesus was sent to. Jesus didn't just pick who he was going to go and pray for and think, oh, I don't know, there's a bunch of sick people. I'll pray for that one over there. We'll do a miracle in his life. And, oh, I don't know, I'll decide to pray for this one and do a miracle in his life. Jesus understood how the anointing operates. And that's why in his own hometown, when their attitude, and Jesus picked that attitude up, and which is why he said, you're going to say this to me, turn the anointing on, do some miracles. And, and, and be, so people think that anointings just operate on demand. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. And then he gave these examples. He said it only operated to the one Jesus was sent specifically. To, sorry, Elijah was sent specifically to. Now, let's now, as I said, there's two examples that Jesus gives. The first was the widow woman. He said that, 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 that Elijah was sent to this woman. And that's why the miracle happened. The second example he gave was Naaman. Naaman. Now, even though, and, and he even says that there was there were there were multiple lepers who, who needed God's healing touch, but only one got it. 
However, this is actually different. In, in these two examples, Jesus is showing us the two streams of healing, the one by the spirit and the one by, by the word. In other words, the one the prophet was sent to and the one who came to the prophet. They're different. You see, the first example he gives, the prophet was sent to the widow woman. Now, that's not how it worked with Naaman. Naaman was different. If you look in 2 Kings chapter 5, 2 Kings chapter 5, we have the passage of Naaman. I'm not going to study the whole passage. We'll do that another day. And, um, you know, Naaman had a few issues he had to work on. We'll, 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 we, we've mentioned it in some of the previous teachings, and I'll do a, a deeper study of it at, at a later point. However, 2 Kings chapter 5 says, Now Naaman, command, uh, verse 1, Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man, in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. So Naaman had leprosy. And it says, and the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back a captive, a young girl, girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. So this girl had been brought back as a captive, and she was kind of serving and helping Naaman's wife. And it says, then she said to her mistress, if only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, thus and thus said the girl who is from the land of, of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 changes of clothing. Now notice here, nowhere in here does it talk about the prophet was sent to Naaman. This is different. Naaman went to the prophet. So, uh, whereas in the previous example, the prophet was sent to the widow woman. So, when in Luke 4, when Jesus refers to these two people, he, he gives two Old Testament examples, which appear similar in that only one person received. Many lepers needed healing, but only one got it. But why? He's the one who came. And he, he, even though initially he got a bit resistant to what the prophet told him, he obeyed. He acted on the instructions. He did what is necessary to, 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 to a person who approaches. And he had to learn and adjust himself. The other example is the one the prophet was sent to. So Jesus specifically chose these two examples because they show the two different methods which activated the anointing on the prophet's life. There's the ones the prophet went to, and there's the one that came to the prophet. Okay, And this, these illustrate to us the two, the two parts we've been talking about in this series. Now, if you understand this, you'll begin to understand how God operates. J Jesus did not just decide who he wanted to go to. The people that he went to, and we're going to study over the next few weeks, he went to because he was sent. This is this stream of healing here that I've given the one part. You've got healing at the top, and you've got the one route to healing, which is the, the sending. The anointing operates. It is initiated by the Spirit of God, not the minister, not the man. It's not human initiated. It is God initiated. However, it's not initiated toward everybody. Jesus said the prophet was only sent to one person, not everybody. The others all had needs and they could have turned to the, to the Lord to receive, but they didn't. And the other example was the one who went to the prophet. So you've got the one the prophet went to, you've got the one who came to the prophet. These are the two streams that we've been studying 
in this series so far. And I wanted to clarify this today so that you can see this in the word even clearer. Because you need to understand, as we go on to this next section and to look at the people that Jesus went to, we need to understand Jesus did not just randomly pick who he felt like he would go to that day. He didn't just switch the anointing on and off as at will and think, well, I'll go find somebody to heal. Okay, It didn't work like that. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. He was sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And, and there's many more scriptures which show that in the word of God. Even when Jesus went and raised Lazarus from the dead, he went because he was led. And uh, we could do a study of that at some point. When Jesus first heard about the fact that Lazarus was dying, he stayed exactly where he was. He didn't go. <laughs> he stayed two more days where he was and did not go. And then he, two days later, he said to his disciples, let's go. And then his disciples were like, why are we going now? You know, they want to kill you there. And Jesus, right after that, spoke about light. Right after the, the disciples challenged him and said, why are we going now? Why did you wait two days? And it's because of this. Jesus didn't, you see, Jesus had emotions. You see his emotions throughout the throughout the Gospels. At times it says he wept and other things like that. And when he heard about Lazarus, Lazarus was his friend. When he heard about Lazarus, he could have reacted out of his own emotions. And said, oh, I need to go. I need to go and run to, to Lazarus' side. But he wouldn't have been operating by the leading of the Holy Spirit. Instead, because Jesus knew better, he waited. He waited until he received light. Light is direction. And, and, and he's, that's what he says to his disciples afterwards. He says, but if, you, if you walk in the light, you won't stumble. If we listen to the leading. Now, Jesus went and ministered to Lazarus. He raised him from the dead because he knew the spirit of God was leading him to do that. And, 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 and many other cases, we'll see this. Every person Jesus went to is because he was sent. And yes, again, let me remind you the good news. Jesus said to the Syrophoenician woman, I wasn't sent to you. There's no sending. There's nothing in me activating that anointing toward you. And she she sat there. She That's where she got determined. She says, it, matter, it doesn't matter if you weren't sent to me. I am here to receive. And her faith grabbed a hold of that. Okay? Faith can get it even when nobody's sent to you. However, the sending part of it is an important part of it. We cannot just switch on and off when we want to. You need to realize, you see, I believe if ministers would learn to be led more by the Holy Spirit in their praying for other people, we'd get more results. So often we think we can just do it. We think, oh, you know, the Bible says lay hands on the sick and they recover. I'll go and do it to, to heaven. No, that truth, that is a Bible truth, but that truth has got to work in cooperation with other Bible truths. Follow Jesus. If you want to know how to fulfill the Great Commission to lay hands on the sick and for them to recover, follow Jesus' example. Follow Paul's example. Jesus didn't just run around laying hands on every sick person and say, well, because I'm the anointed man, it's going to work. No, he went to the people that the Spirit of God led him to. And by doing so, he was effective. On the other hand, a lot of the other people, he waited for them to come to him. And when they came to him in faith, then healing operated in their lives. So in the next few weeks, we're going to look at the examples of the ones that Jesus went to. And I just wanted you to, to have a, a scriptural foundation for that today so that you can understand the sending side of it. And also to link it in with the Syrophoenician woman where, where Jesus said to her, I wasn't sent to you. Now, hopefully you can understand a little bit while what he meant, a little bit more about what he meant by that. He wasn't being nasty. He was just saying there's no sending. That anointing is not just going to. I can't just turn it on and off whenever you want me to.
Okay. And so next time, next time you want to receive from God. And I thank God. It's wonderful when God does send someone to minister to you. It's wonderful when you're in a, a meeting and there's a healing minister meeting and, and, and that anointing comes upon them sent to you to operate toward you. Thank God for that. But don't rely on that. Don't look to that. You see, so we, we've trained people to be so dependent upon needing somebody else to do it for them. And what I'm trying to help you to see in this series is that God's number one, his primary method is for us to learn how to come to him, how to approach him to receive for ourselves, not to rely on and depend upon someone coming to us. And this is the, 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 the emphasis in the Bible is we approach him. And when we approach, the principles of faith are required. But, you know, when God initiates it, there's nothing in the Bible that says faith is required because it's coming from God. God initiates it. So in that in that sense, people think it's the easy route. It might be the easy route, but it's also very random and it's also not for everybody. So if if we're all relying on the route, which by which the Bible has shown us is not for everybody, if we're all trying to get healed that route, then the end result is some people are not going to be healed because it's not for everybody. And because some people then got, again, don't get healed by that method, they then conclude healing's not for everybody. But that's not true. It's just that healing is not for everybody through that method. Okay, there is another method by which we can all approach God based upon the Word of God, put into practice the principles of the Word of God, and everybody can do that. It's for everybody. So rather than looking to someone else, rather than, you know, turning and thinking, you know, every time you need to receive from God, who can I get to pray for me? Who, 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 you know, I need someone with a healing anointing. You can get, you can receive it from God yourself. You can activate the power of God in your life by yourself, for yourself, for your own life, by putting into practice the principles of the word of God and receive by faith. But thank God when God does send someone to us, but don't rely on that. So I hope that I hope it's we've made that clear today. I just felt we needed to spend the whole session on this to clarify this. And then from next week, we'll then look at the specific cases. But I wanted to, to spend a little bit of time first on Luke chapter four and see what Jesus said to help us understand these 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 methods a bit clearer. Amen. Well, just thank God that that everybody who's listening to these teachings, that God's giving you wisdom and revelation and, and, and understanding. And I also just thank God that I know there's some people that listen to these either live or they listen afterwards. I know there's some people that are believing God for healing. And, and there's a number of people that have already sent to me and, 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 and indicated that. So we just are just, we're just standing in agreement with you. And I thank God that your faith is growing. I thank God that you're getting revelation and understanding through these teaching series uh, and and i thank god that healing is operating we're going to hear testimonies we're going to get testimonies of people who've, who are getting answers and the word of god is showing them some things and they're going to get their results so we thank god for that let's all, we just stand together as a group everybody who listens to these just thank god that everybody who listens to these gets that revelation and that healing is working in them in the name of jesus and uh, I just appreciate everybody sharing these teachings. We do them every week, uh, Tuesdays at 7.30 uh, 